Welcome to The Orchard Outlook, a podcast by Perania to help commercial tree fruit growers produce delicious apples using best practices. I'm your host, Michelle Cortens, and I hope to bring you sweet success. In today's episode, we're talking about weed management with Kristen Obeid. Kristen is OMAFRA's weed management specialist for horticulture crops. She has a master's degree in weed science from the University of Manitoba and an honors bachelor of science degree in agriculture from the University of Guelph. Kristen is a recent recipient of the Excellence in Weed Science Extension Award from the Canadian Weed Science Society. She joins us to explain the risks and rewards of weed control. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Michelle. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. So could you explain the concept of a critical weed-free period? Well, a critical weed-free period is the length of time you need to control weeds to make sure you have no yield loss in your crop. So in New Orchards, it's for the entire months of May and June. In established orchards, we like to say it's from around bud break until 30 days after bloom. Okay, so that's why we're always promoting weed control in the spring, even though it's a really busy time of the year? Exactly. But there's some strategies that growers can use to ensure that they have that extra time in the spring to do other tasks, but we can talk about that later. Great. So can you also explain how herbicides are grouped into a lot of different categories? Like what's the meaning of a herbicide that's translocated or contact or residual? Uh, Translocation means that the herbicide moves from the site of absorption on the plant to somewhere else within the plant. Herbicides that are absorbed but are not translocated are called contact herbicides. Contact herbicides only kill the plant part that they come in contact with. So coverage would be really critical for one like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Coverage is critical with contact herbicides. Residual, or I like to call them soil-applied herbicides, are selective, meaning they only control certain weed species as they begin to germinate while leaving the crop unharmed. They should be applied before the weeds emerge. So let's focus on residual herbicides because I think they're on everyone's mind at this time of year. When's the best time to apply a residual herbicide? Is it like a fall or an early spring timing that you'd prefer? Well, it's really either or. In orchard systems, it's best to apply residual herbicides in the fall up until snowfall. So I'm not sure if you got a big storm like we did down here in the southwest, but we have a foot of snow, so no more residual herbicides to can you? be applied. <laughs> yeah, and um, or in the early spring. It really all depends on the weather. But this is one of the strategies that growers can use is to get uh, soil-applied herbicide on in the early, early spring. So we're talking, you know, middle of April. Um, so they have, don't have to really worry about weed control when they're doing all those other really important orchard uh, tasks. But you need to remember that, you know, rainfall is required to activate these residual herbicides. But if there is too much rain, uh, the herbicide can move down through the soil profile below the germinating weed layer, making it ineffective. So. There's a couple of important points to remember about 
those residual herbicides. So if you apply a residual in the fall and then, you know, you obviously get a lot of snow over the winter, is that not considered similar to rainfall and that it would carry the residuals away before the spring? Well, it just all depends on how quickly the snow melts. Like typically you need to have a lot of water all at once to move the herbicide all the way down the profile. So typically you're okay with a fall applied because, you know, as temperatures warm up gradually, it's not a huge amount of water moving through the soil profile. That's really good to know. So another question about residual herbicides is that, you know, they often need to be applied to bare ground. So if we have a lot of organic residue in the weed-free strip, especially if growers are using organic mulches, um, can residual herbicides still be effective in that kind of situation? No. That's the short answer because uh, those uh, mulches, any organic matter will tie up the herbicide, really rendering them ineffective. The advantage of residual soil activity can also be a disadvantage at times. So do residual herbicides have any long-term effects in the soil? Well, they are broken down over time, and they all have what we call uh, a field half-life, or the time it takes for the herbicide to be reduced by half in the soil. So it is really, really variable with some soil-applied herbicides being broken down to their half-life within three weeks, and others are five months. So it really, really depends on the soil properties, such as the organic matter and pH of the soil, in terms of how long those herbicides remain there. There are some that, um, you know, over long periods of time and over continued use in orchard systems, um, If you're pulling out an orchard, you need to be really, really careful in terms of how much residue is still there for whatever crop you plant afterwards. So they can be there for a long time, so you need to be really cautious about that. Do you have any examples of products that growers should watch out for? Anything that's a trizine-based product can last a really long time. Um, So those are your, your group five in your group seven type products. So as long as growers look at the label and follow label directions, then, um, you know, they there should be no concerns about carryover or any economic impact on the crop? And the current crop that they're growing, yeah, as long as they follow the label directions for the labeled crop, yeah, everything should be fine. What I, what I, what, what there is a caution about is if the orchard is actually pulled out and they've used certain products for a number of years, there could be residues there that have an impact on the next crop. So they should always look at recropping guidelines in those situations. Now, going back to all types of herbicides, are some herbicides better for cloudy and cool conditions while others might perform better in, say, sunny and hot conditions? Well, no, ideal, ideal temperatures for... Almost all herbicides are between 65 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Weeds may be killed slowly below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Some herbicides will definitely injure crops if you apply them above 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And always, uh, it's really important to avoid applying volatile herbicides such as 2,4-D or MCPA or dicamba during hot weather, especially in their susceptible broadleaf crops. And when might a grower consider selective herbicides compared to a broad-spectrum herbicide like a glyphosate or a 2,4-D? 
Well, typically those selective herbicides are really used for annual weed species, whereas the more broad-spectrum herbicides are used when you have harder-to-control weed species like perennials and biannuals like Canada thistle or wild carrot or things like common mallow, those types of things. And is there any concern with glyphosate on tree health? Well, there's a lot of anecdotal information that's being circulated that says that even if glyphosate hits um, brown bark or mature bark of a tree, it could cause cracks. This has never been proven scientifically. So it's just a really good practice when using glyphosate in a perennial or orchard system to be cautious and don't let it come in contact with the trees. And they often refer to green bark. Is that bark literally green or does it refer to like the current season's growth? Well, they usually, I think in the labels, it really does mean green. I think it really does mean green tissue and green bark. So Mm -hmm. that means immature bark. Is uh, herbicide resistance a concern in perennial systems like orchards? Oh, it's a big concern in all cropping systems now. Uh, Herbicide resistance uh, really is a shared problem amongst all of agriculture. Um, Those weeds, they really don't care if they're in in an apple orchard or in a corn crop or whatnot. Yeah, the most prevalent resistant weed species that we have in orchards in Ontario is glyphosate-resistant Canada fleabane. However, um, there are many, many more uh, resistant species that are being tested and some other ones to be very careful about or be looking for in orchard systems as definitely the group one resistant uh, large crabgrass, the group the glyphosate resistant Canada fleabane, as well as um, some of the pigweed species that are resistant to your group 5 and group 7 herbicides. So that would be things like Sencor, Cymazine, and um, Linuron or Lorox. And how often should products ideally be rotated? As often as possible. But it's not just the product uh, that, or the different herbicides that need to be ro- rotated to avoid resistance. It's the actual herbicide group number. So, and that needs to be rotated. And that herbicide group number can be found on the top right-hand side of every label. So we really need to be thinking about that. It's not just the herbicide trade name. You need to make sure you're rotating by the group. So start thinking about that. that, You know, growers really need to start thinking about that when they're making their herbicide choices. Are some products more prone to resistance developing than others, like residuals versus burndown products? Actually, um, they don't kind of look at it as residual versus burndown products. It's based on the herbicide group. So the the group two herbicides, which are like your sulfonyl ureas and, and imidazolinones, or like your pursuit and sandias, they are more are the most prone to resistance development. So why is this? Well, it's because scientists estimate that of all the individual weeds, there is one in one million that will have a mutation that confers resistance to group two herbicides. So really not that many. Whereas um, for things like glyphosate and group four products like 2,4-D, it's one in 100 million weed species will confer a mutation with which will render that weed resistant. And for most other herbicides, it's only one in 10 million. So it's all based on the number of 
weed mutants in the population that have that mutation allowing for that resistance to develop. That makes perfect sense. Uh, could the population of weed species then change over time in an orchard? Oh, yes, absolutely. Weed species can change over time in any production system, and we call this uh, species shifts. And species shifts are typically a direct result of relying too heavily on one weed management practice, whether that's one specific group of herbicides or whether it's one specific way of mechanical control or cultural control in the orchard. So depending on which herbicides are being used and what weed species they control, the shift could result in much harder to control weeds such as perennials and biennial species. And we've seen this recently with some of the the newer um, herbicides that are being used in orchards, and these are soil-applied products. The most important thing now for growers that have experienced this species shift is to make sure that they identify the weed properly and determine its life cycle, whether it's an annual, a biannual, or a perennial, and then target their herbicide application at the growth stage where that weed is most vulnerable, whether that is at the rosette stage, the butterflower stage, or the two to four leaf stage. And typically these biennial and perennial weed species will be first located in patches, so recognizing it early and getting on top of it is really what they need to do to prevent spread throughout the orchard. That's a good strategy then. So identify the new species and determine the proper control at the right yes. timing. Exactly. Good. And start early. Get on it. Get on top of it right away. Okay. And now going back to uh, thoughts about young trees, uh, you know, we're always concerned about tree damage in one- and two-year-old trees, and it can often lead to relying on maybe a few chemistries that you're comfortable using and that haven't caused problems in the past. So, can you talk about the risks and rewards of using herbicides in like nurseries and young tree plantings? Oh, that's a loaded topic. Uh, growers is, must be must be very careful using herbicides in new plantings because the young pl- plants are so sensitive to herbicides and may be killed. But it's necessary to control the weeds in the new plantings to avoid that competition from the weeds for the fertility and water that the growing crop needs. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real balancing act for the growers uh, in order to uh, control the weeds to get good growth, but making sure that they're so extremely careful when they're applying the herbicides. Right, so pay attention to the wind and, and just apply during good conditions. Yes. Yeah. And uh, herbicide labels will often use terms like established planting and new planting. Do you know at what point a new planting becomes an established planting? Well, typically they use a three-year window, so it will have to have been planted in the field for at least three years. And this is usually really important with, you know, residual herbicides because they want to make sure that the uh, root system has grown deeply into the soil. And is mulch a better option for young plantings? And if so, do you have like a specific medium that you would recommend? Well, I'm not a big fan of mulch, actually, because number one, the mulch brings new weeds into the orchard all the time. 
Right. Yeah. And the mulch really tends to complicate herbicide applications because the mulch will absorb most of the herbicide, number one, and um, really uh, you need to focus those herbicide treatments on the weeds that are just uh, that emerge from the mulch or they get seeded into the mulch or rooted into the onto the mulch surface. So really you're into like almost spot applications. And you can't use some of those, you know, some of the newer herbicide chemistries that are doing really good jobs in orchards where, you know, because they're soil applied and you need to apply them to bare ground. So where the most competition from the weeds are, is coming, like right near the trees, it's really hard then to apply the herbicides. That's a really good consideration then. Are there any new technologies for mechanical weed control or any weed control in general that you're excited to see in use in the future? Well, I'm really excited to see some of the new AI technology being used in robotic weeding. There are several companies, I think one right there in Nova Scotia, that are working really hard to have robotic weeders that also have cultivation tools. They're actually coming to Ontario this year to do some big demonstrations on five farms. So we're pretty excited about it, see how that technology works, as well as some technologies uh, that are using electricity to kill weeds. And we have one really large grower in Ontario that has used this technology in over 2,000 acres, I think. So we're having both of these um, technologies and these um, companies come and speak at the Ontario Fruit and Vegetable Convention this coming February 19th to 20th in Niagara Falls. So we're pretty excited about that, and we'll be seen participating in some demonstrations this year. Great. Uh, I did see a demonstration this year on a vegetable farm in Nova Scotia, and mm-hmm. they were using cameras and a, a neural network to differentiate between the weeds and the crops. So yeah. it's pretty exciting stuff coming. Yeah, and, you know, it might just be needed with um, the amount of herbicide-resistant weeds we have and the lack of new products coming for horticulture growers to use. Good. So we'll have to stay up to date with uh, what's on the horizon. Yeah, it's exciting. I I can't wait to see some of this stuff. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? No, just thanks. Thank you very much for having me. And um, if there's ever any questions uh, by anybody, I'm Always available. Great. Thank you. Uh, And thanks very much for joining us. Uh, We have a better understanding of the risks and rewards of weed control in orchards. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Orchard Outlook podcast. If you like our show, you can help support us by leaving a positive review. For more information, visit our website at www.perennia.ca slash learning. The show is written by Michelle with help from questions by growers and recorded by Podcast Atlantic.